Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. I'm your host, Chris Sands, and this is episode 113. And joining us again in the studio to make up for Graham kicking them out early is True Respite. I love the looks I get. <laughs> and although he's already notified us that he'll be doing that again today, I think actually maybe he just doesn't like you guys. Cause <laughs> he's like, the respites are coming. Get yeah. <laughs> we have Brendan and Bailey O'Leary, the co-owners of True Respite in the house. What's up, Chris? Hey. Thank you for coming out. And quite possibly one of the most adorable couples in craft brewing. No. Brian and Carly, definitely. <laughs> I don't know. They're kind of surly sometimes. <laughs> but that can be adorable. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, like in they're... a feisty kind of way. Yeah. Brian doesn't really like to interact, though. Mm. Self-proclaimed. <laughs> doesn't want to. Maybe we are pretty adorable because he re- interacts with us. <laughs> yeah. right, so maybe it's just me. <laughs> I'm not saying, but I'm saying. So the last time you were on, you had only been open for like six weeks, um, and now it is six weeks plus however long it's been, which I probably could have done that math to make this much less awkward. <laughs> it's it been is. about seven months totally. <laughs> seven and a half months, yeah. yeah. So it was six months ago, actually, almost on the button since we were here. So when you guys were on, you were really excited about opening. Um, everything was great, Well, there, other than little hiccups you had. Are you still happy that you opened a brewery? Yeah. Yes. 100% <laughs> yes. Well, that's good. So you're not going to have a one-year anniversary closing party. I really hope not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's always on the table. If things yeah. go horribly wrong, you know, there's – but no. That's not so, the plan. Um, so to get right out of the – get it out of the way right away, I, I listened through our episode because I, I remembered when Graham kicked you guys out, there were still things I wanted to talk about. So I re-listened through the episode to try to jog my memory. And Bailey slipped in something that I I didn't notice her saying. She yelled, let's go Caps, during the episode. And I find that fairly unacceptable. (laughs) (laughs) That's the bone that Chris told us he had a bone to pick with you, Bailey. And I'm, I'm disappointed in myself. For not catching it to correct you. Okay. I'm disappointed in you for saying it. I, I'm not disappointed for saying it. I still go caps. She had oh, the Thrashers. So. Yeah, I'm from Atlanta. I was a Thrashers fan, but the Thrashers left. They went to Winnipeg. So now, like, I feel like a backup Winnipeg fan, but go caps. <laughs> still not happy about it. <laughs> you know, the, um, Graham and I, and, and once that, that jogged my memory, Graham and I went to the um, the Winter Classic when the Penguins, who I'm a fan of, and oh. the Capitals played at Heinz Field. And, mm-hmm. and we, we were both standing in line at Primanti Brothers to get yeah. sandwiches. And we were both, I was wearing Penguins gear, he was wearing Caps gear, because he's also wrong about the team that he roots for. And probably about 90% of the people listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're standing in line. And we got to the register at like the exact same time. And I don't know if you're familiar with Primanti Brothers, but it's like a Pittsburgh institution. And their thing is they put um, coleslaw and fries on every sandwich. Graham is a very picky eater. So he tried to tell them that he did not want um, 
fries and coleslaw on them. And the woman working there had no idea that we were attending this sporting event as friends together. And I just turned to him. It's like, just order it the effing way they they make it. <laughs> and like the the look on the woman's face was a pure terror. Yeah. <laughs> no, she reacted the way that she did because I told you to F off. Oh, that's right. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> mm. That's funny. That makes a little more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now we now we have that out of the way. Um, another thing that you had said that you, you said you, you, we were talking about, um, your graphs and charts and numbers to quantify whether you should open. And I asked you if you had for fudged numbers or things to make sure that it said you should open. You said, no, that you were meant to do this. Yes. You still feel that way? Yes. Still a hundred percent. And then like, I don't know why it didn't strike me then, but like, that's kind of an amazing thing. Like that you, because not many people get to do what they deep down feel like they, that they were meant to do that. Yeah. There's, uh, there's like, it's complex being an engineer who also writes music and loves music. And like, cause I, I just, there is that, you know, left brain organized thing that is back there sort of, but I have to admit that's a secondary characteristic for me. Like I am much more of a free form improvise um, artistic creative design ideas person um, Kenny's watching this somewhere laughing to himself right now <laughs> um, but there I have to satisfy both sides and so beer is definitely a way that I found that can do that in, in an environment with people that we love with a culture that we love with a product that we love so like this is exactly where I'm supposed to be I feel that way absolutely awesome well I'm, I'm glad that Bailey allowed you to open a brewery then <laughs> it took a lot of convincing at first, but once she like got over that hill, it was not me. Like this was us very much. Yeah. So. It became a team effort, definitely. Yeah. We we decided like this was where both of us should be. This is what we should be doing. This is this is what our future holds. Well, that's so. it. Another thing I, I took note of listening back through, it definitely you you get the sense that like listening through, both of you are equally involved with. Like the way you describe everything and talk about it, it's not like Brendan's doing this and you're just like, okay, I'll I'll allow you to do this or support it or vice versa. Like you both were very very involved, which is awesome. For better or for worse, that's kind <laughs> of it's just just that's how our relationship works. Really, on everything, we've had to we work best when we're fifty fifty. Um, so really, in all aspects of our life, including the brewery, that's kind of. There are individual things that we each take on more than the other. Um, Which but, is natural yeah. with any kind of partnership. But if you take all of those imbalances, it kind of levels out to a sort of Averages 50-50. out to. Yeah. That's, that's how it works for us, yeah. So one of the reasons for you guys to come back on, other than me to um, let Bailey know she roots for the wrong team, <laughs> was that um, you guys are having your first can release. So yeah. I think we should just dive right into that at first because it's kind of cool that there, there are a lot of breweries throughout this like just immediate general area that are diving into can releases for the first time mm-hmm. in the last few months. We're, so that's where we are in Maryland beer. I mean, so it's easy to look back and take stock of the things that you've done well because you can see what's been successful. But 
I would say that one glaring mistake that we have made is diving headfirst into draft and hoping that would carry us because what we've learned is, is um, so you have your big guys, your ABIs and your Miller cores, and then their crafty brands and the imports that come with them. So you walk into any like chain restaurant and that takes up probably three quarters of the taps. Um, it takes going into the dedicated crafty places in order to find a place that has a whole bunch of stuff that they're open to putting local on. But what happens in those cases is they thrive on having what's new and what's cool and what's different. So there is no loyalty. You can't count on them buying a keg of the same beer every week and just yeah. building up a base of places where you start throwing kegs out. And so what I find is that um, I can't get into the big places. Um, in the small places, there is no loyalty. And um, I'm, that's not a knock on them. It's just the business model. Yeah. You know I, what mean, I mean, I argue that in the craft industry in general, there's very little loyalty um, outside yeah. of like your local community in the tap room. Yeah, I was um, going to say, I think yeah. there's strong loyalty within you know, maybe a five to 10 mile radius of a brewery. Um, but once like if you're at a bar or going to a a restaurant or to a beer store. Yeah, I think there's no loyalty now. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to try what's new yeah. and what's different? And yeah, you want to try different things. So so that's the state of the beast right now. And when we walked into this, we're like, so Kenny's experience came from Virginia um, and he started 25 years ago. So that's the core of what we know about beer distribution because I've never distributed beer Bailey's never distributed beer. I mean, this was something that was entirely new for us. We designed facilities. You know, we're, we're part of the culture. We know what's cool and what generally people enjoy drinking. Um, but what we hadn't figured out is the, the mechanics of how do you become successful on the wholesale side. And so we dove headfirst into draft, um, hoping that kegs would lead to a uh, package sale down the road. Like if you can build demand by getting on tap at people's favorite watering holes, then you would be able to follow that up with package. Uh, wrong <laughs> at least for us um i know there are a few breweries out there who are still slinging that like i think hysteria uh is still primarily draft and, and there are a few breweries who are doing really well but like it's not a super common success story what people are succeeding at is putting your beer in cans and offering something that is familiar yet different which kind of falls in line with this uh maya philosophy that we've had maya being most advanced yet acceptable so um there's a book called by a guy named Derek Thompson called Hitmakers that has been super influential in how we um, develop our business plan and attack new markets and, and branding ourselves. And the crux of the book is that like nothing really cool and revolutionary ever happened all at once. You don't just take a giant leap from A to D. You go from A to B to C to D. Um, and, and that philosophy has been iterated even by people like um, Bill Gates, who's like, I already have Windows 200 in my brain, but if I just threw it out there, no one would accept it because it's too different, it's too weird. There's no um, foundation of familiarity to help you be willing to take that leap into the unfamiliar. So um, when you're like going into cans, you have the ability to say like, okay, this month, we are putting out a new beer under X series. You're familiar with the ser series. It's going to be hazy, juicy, fruity, or it's going to be, you know, fruit purees and lactose and sour, or it's going to be, you know, like this base IPA with a different fruit. So there's that level of familiarity, but something different enough to grab your attention. And with cans, you have the ability to do that. You, you build series, 
you put products in it that fit neatly under there, but that push the envelope a little bit each time so you have something familiar and unfamiliar, and that's the new attack strategy for us. Yeah, and it's it's a little different than we originally intended. Um, when we developed our brand, we our brand is all about like finding your own true respite, doing something you love, following your passions, finding hobbies. Um, so our idea was with the keyhole as our icon, uh, we want you to be the key that takes you to the other side of the keyhole. And on the other side of the keyhole, you can see whatever your true respite is. And so we, we developed this brand so that all of our cans would have a different keyhole scene. But as we're getting into it, we're noticing like, we don't necessarily want to only use that one idea. We want to be able to have these different series that have different kinds of labeling yeah. and different. So we're expanding on what our business plan said, what we originally saw. And it's fun. It's been a lot of fun. The creative process never ends. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So you, you touched on different series. What are the, the series that you have now? Okay, so they're all new because this is a new direction we're going. So there's only like one beer out for yeah. each so far. So this is well, the early stages, the we are beginning of the, laying the groundwork. We're setting the platform that we leap off from. Yes. They're all sort of new, but our so all, uh, our first series that we kind of started at the beginning, but we didn't label it as a series, is our New England IPAs. We have named all of our New Englands after friends and family members, hmm. and. So we decided to call that series the Inner Circle series. Um, yeah, I have a note to talk about that too because I wanted to know when there was going to be a beer named after me. Of <laughs> that note. Well, how tight are you? How tight do you think we are, Chris? Probably not tight enough for you to name a beer after <laughs> me, but because I don't have I don't have a story of pacemakers and yeah. <laughs> defibrillators. We can uh, <laughs> we can we can take we can take the steps though. If you want a beer named after you? Let's have something weird happen while we're out in public somewhere. We could name it like the way you effing want it. <laughs> that would be a good name for a beer. Yeah, yeah it wouldn't be bad. Beer the way you effing want it. <laughs> So, you know, like, yeah, we'll build stories, and then yeah. you'll get a beer. But we need stories first. This doesn't come from nowhere. Uh-huh. All right, I'll work on building a story. Okay. <laughs> so that's our Inner Circle series. That's going to be all of our New Englands um, are going to be named after somebody in our Inner Circle. Our that's inner cool. Circle, I like that. Yeah, and our Inner Circle is not exclusive. Like, it's it's just meant to be, like, friends and family and acquaintances yeah. and it's stories that inspire us, but yeah. Totally. Yeah. And then, I mean, our team members all have inner circles too, so it's not necessarily just the two of us or just Kenny and us. It's, yeah. It's kind of cool when when a brewery does do that, like has a beer and has a story behind the name that they can tell. Like one of, um, I, I loved one of the first beers that, and actually may have been the first one he brewed, when Old Mother open their new place they hired a brewmaster or a head brewer and his last name's beamer and he came from flying dog so the first beer he brewed they named it used beamer and <laughs> so i just thought okay. like a used bmw yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. that's so clever he was their used beamer yeah that makes sense <laughs> i thought it was gonna so, be a play on like virginia tech special teams football like beamer ball or something but that's no 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 not nearly no, as good 
no. use Beamer's way better. That's yeah, better. I don't, yeah, I don't think that I don't think there's much Virginia Tech football talk in no in Frederick. That's why <laughs> in the creative process, a lot of what we think of is trash, and we don't usually <laughs> share that live on a podcast. Yeah. So. This is very true. <laughs> A huge thank you to our presenting sponsor, Roast House Pub, which is located at 5700 Urbana Pike in Frederick, Maryland. If you have listened to this podcast before, you have definitely heard me go on and on about the beer dinners that Chef Nico creates. Simply put, they are amazing. But Roast House Pub has much more to offer. Their friendly staff is knowledgeable about beer and will help you choose from among the 20 beers they have on tap. In addition to the awesome beer selection, the food is always amazing. Make sure to follow them on Facebook, and check their website at www.roasthousepub.com to keep up to date on their constant stream of events. So you have the Inner Circle series, which I love that concept. That's awesome. And then... Um, Puckered and Peel. Those are two series we have. So Puckered um, is, is soured fruit beers and Peel being straight fruit beers. So um, we've so used... are those two separate or is it Puckered and Peeled? They're two separate. Okay. Um, well, I guess technically it could be both. Like yeah. the puckered series are peeled beers, but soured and sometimes with lactose. So um, you yeah. can use puckered and peeled if you want. Yeah, I'll allow that. Thank you. The creative <laughs> process again happening right here in the studio. This yes. is amazing. Always Maya, always pushing the envelope yeah. just a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, puckered um, is there, there's a lot of breweries I think who are kind of attacking this style in the state right now. Um, what's interesting for us, what makes us a little different is the way we use our fruits. So there are no extracts. Um, we're not chopping up whole fruits. We're using puree septic purees. And um, what we've learned is that there's a, a, a critical way to use your fruits that kind of gives it the character you're looking for. So if you add your fruits way late in the process, you're going to get a lot of that sweet, juicy fruitiness because the yeast are more or less done their job by yeah. the time the sugar hits it. If you put it in way early, you can burn off a lot of that flavor and get almost like a whiny alcoholic flavor. And there's kind of a sweet spot in the middle where you get this really beautiful fruit character that doesn't leave a lot of residual sweetness. Um, and so that's kind of something that we've been playing with is perfecting the art of like, how do you use fruit? And uh, that's something we feel like we've developed a bit uh, of, a, of a leg up on. We're really proud of the way that we incorporate fruit with our beer. It's, um, I find that that type of beer is cool too because there's there's a lot of breweries that have really uh embraced the fruited sour or mm -hmm. just fruited beer and even adding lactose or doing different things with it but they're all very different right totally. uh -huh. so I, I i love that trend and as i was saying to you before i think that's probably my favorite style of beer right now yeah and what's cool about it is like as trends come and go so like hazies are cool you can fruit a hazy yeah or if stouts are cool you can fruit a stout sours are cool you can fruit a sour you know, and one day if, like, rye something's cool or what, it doesn't matter. Like, when your ability to take a beer and fruit it appropriately, uh, we feel like it's always going to be cool. We really love doing it. It offers a lot of um, legroom for creativity, like we've talked about. And uh, it's something that we feel like can stay relevant. So, and because our customers have responded so well to it, and we absolutely love brewing with fruit, um, that's something that we've decided to focus on. Yeah, and we've been, so we've been fruiting a lot of beers. We've been kind of playing around with that, trying different things, and it's been really well received. And I I started getting worried, like, are we pushing this on Kenny? Like, is this really what he wants to <laughs> yeah. do, or am I, are we just going to him saying, like, people love it, let's keep doing it? So I asked Kenny the other day, like, what do you want to do? Like, if you could focus on anything as a brewer, like, what do you enjoy doing? And he told me, he was like, I'm having a lot of fun with the fruit. I really, I'm enjoying this. It's, I'm really enjoying getting to try the different fruit beers. 
So he's enjoying it too, which is good. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun to, to play around with that. It's a movement that has grown organically because like he came in with maybe two or three ideas for beers that he'd been thinking of his whole career and just never found the right time to do. Um, we had our own ideas for beers that we'd like to see brewed. But for him, like fruit beer was something that he really had in his head when he came in. And I was like, fruit in your beer, man? Come on. Like, <laughs> uh, and he has totally turned me around on that chain to the it's point. Good. Where, yeah, it's so it's good. It's delicious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be just like adding an orange or uh, adding a um, slice of lime to spruce up a skunked Corona. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's art in it. There's, there's technical skill for doing it well. Like there's so much more to it than it I think. It makes the beer healthy. Yeah, yeah. Yes, fruit you in get it. some nutrients. And How many servings of fruit yeah. for your, you know, FDA guidelines? Is this so you can add that to your cans. Yeah, <laughs> we're in the second level of the pyramid, and this counts as two servings. You're welcome. Yeah, that can would probably that label instantly be uh, declined. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that would never pass. <laughs> Side note: on that front, our country picnic is one of the cans that we're releasing. Um, it's a ginger whip beer with orange peel. You brought that the first time you came on. There you go. That was so a very good beer. That's a, that's a crowd favorite in the tap room. So that one will be coming out in cans. And um, we our, our uh, can label designer asked us to write some copy, a little bit of prose, like a paragraph just about the beer or something surrounding the beer to include on the can. And I write a nice little I wrote a nice little paragraph like um, the wind blows the stalks of grain and the weather is brisk and the ginger in this wit beer sets the tone for a cozy fall day something along those lines and the ttb declined it because they said you're not allowed to make therapeutic or medical claims on your label oh wow and the fact that our <laughs> beer set the tone for a cozy day like apparently was a therapeutic claim that was impermissible by the federal government so live and learn we're still figuring this whole thing out like was there something What's, about the word respite on our label, too? Yeah, they tried to nail us for the fact that our label said respite on it. What was their reasoning for that? What's well, a therapeutic claim? Oh, if beer geez. is true respite, then you're claiming that it's like a therapeutic sort of like almost medicinal. And I'm like, listen, man, this, I, <laughs> this is our that's name. That's the name like, of our business. Yeah. I, really, I really feel like it's just whatever mood the person checking it at that moment is. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. So like, like um, jailbreak told the story last night at their beer dinner um about the feed the monkey yep that their label was originally turned down because it implied that there was banana in it and right. there wasn't banana in the recipe and then people would be upset because there was no banana uh-huh so they rewrote the recipe so that i think it's like per 60 barrels they throw one barrel they throw one banana in yeah approved oh, whoa <laughs> That's, That's it, man. <laughs> so all, I, all one banana. It's approved. Yeah. I don't hesitate That's to guess crazy. what's going on in the TTB offices. Like yeah. a lot of people have a lot of bad days. Yeah. And I yeah. think maybe we should be feeling more empathy because that's the only way I can make sense of these things. I don't I have different theories, but we'll leave it. We'll go with yours because it's more pleasant. <laughs> so true respite is on our label. We, Thankfully. We, made it, we made it. They put <laughs> they put approval of that label on pause indefinitely. They don't give you a time frame when they and they're yeah. like on pause for research or on hold for research. I was like, because <laughs> uh, you know, like we're coming up on. Well, I've got to order my labels if they're going to be yeah. here in time for us to meet our canning day, which is why we're only just now announcing our cans because it was like 
are we even going to hit that date? Like, right. they're researching our label and whether or not we can use respite on the true respite cans. That so, is hilarious. Yeah. Well, not real. I mean, I guess now it is, but it's funny because it got we- approved. A few weeks <laughs> yeah. ago, it probably was not hilarious. Not nearly as funny. <laughs> yeah, a few a few weeks ago, it was like. So what are, are you have you announced what your your first can release is? Country Picnic we just announced. Oh, you did? okay. Yeah, yes. But it, was was there another one or my confused? There are two, there are two more. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought it was a triple. Yes, it's a triple. So what can else, what are the other ones? What do you so, got? So, the second one is one of our Inner Circle series beers. It's Wacky Jackie. It is the first New England we brewed. I think I missed out on that one. Yeah. But I've heard it's really good. That one went pretty quick. We brewed Super Jackie over the summer, which was Wacky Jackie just a little tuned up. So it came out with a higher ABV. I think I had Super Jackie. You might have. That that one won um, bronze at the Maryland Craft Beer Cup for Hazy IPAs. Nice. So we were proud of that. Um, and that was like Imperial Jackie, but you're not going to call it Imperial Jackie and everyone pictures Jackie in a, like a samurai suit. So, <laughs> so it was Super Jackie. Um, but now we're going to go back to Wacky Jackie. We toned it down just a little bit, so it's technically a New England-style pale ale. Um, but it's the same same recipe that we did before, just toned down a little bit. To I think it came out to 5... Five eight maybe five, five eight, seven five yeah something like it's that nice and drinkable yeah 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 so that will be that'll be our our second beer that we're releasing um, and then the third one I'll let Brendan talk about because he came up with the name well, let me back up make sure the camera can see my waist here so the third one is called you looked I'm not I'm looking at your eye <laughs> I do see in my peripheral peripheral vision that yeah it's a it's a it's a play on the old childhood game where you just find any excuse to punch your friends in the shoulder so i'm gonna see if your new if the new uh way of pouring a crowler works from the very first pour do it and there's all kinds of electronics around me commit how, how confident are you that i'm not gonna <laughs> splash if you go like this look at that nice oh oh, oh. right onto the laptop <laughs> commit man you gotta do it if you're Let's gonna do go it. And get rid of that before it goes the into the the beer's pretty though it is pretty as it seeps into Look the. At that. There's no, there's no splash here. Oh, that's quite a puddle now. So, so is that the artwork? Yeah. Is... So the cans just got a big upside down OK emoji on the front, and it says "You looked" in big yellow letters, and it's like tacky as hell with like emojis all over it, nice. and like bright neon colors, <laughs> and like because it's a, it's a double New England with pineapple. Like it's a punch you in the face beer. Nice. So we need like, like a punch you in the shoulder name. So, yeah, pineapple's good. It's a really nice compliment for the uh, for the haze craze. I was worried about this beer, but I like it. You were worried. You're I not hate a ginger. ginger. Guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't like ginger. Yeah. But it's not. Um, but I love ginger ale, which is okay. kind of weird. Hmm. Maybe although maybe ginger ale doesn't really have ginger flavor. I don't know. I think it does. It's got ginger flavor. Yeah. But this isn't. There isn't so much ginger that it's unbearable. No. That's, That's just, quite good. It's Maya. It's an accent. Yeah. It's not like punch you in the face with ginger. It's, you know, little ginger to make it taste a little different. Now the my this laptop one. and the tablecloth with your defective uh, <laughs> pouring technique. Oh, I was all excited for learning. To, you'll get to smell this beer forever now. Yeah. <laughs> Alongside with this stuff, whatever that is. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to pretend like that's not there. Okay. Um. So I don't think we said, did we say yet when this is going to take place? We didn't. So probably should allow people to December know. December 15th, the first can release. Um, they're all going to be available in the tap room. 
We're doing about 40 cases of Country Picnic Ginger Whip Beer. We're doing about 80 cases of the You Looked Double New England with Pineapple. And we're doing about 140 cases oh, of wow. the Wacky Jacky Pale. And so the You Looked and the Wacky Jacky, you'll be able to find out in the market, hopefully at least a couple cases at your favorite local beer store. Even up here in Frederick? Uh, yeah. Cool. I'll make my way up this way if you guys promise to buy some. Man, I can't make any <laughs> total promises. No, no, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll try to get up this way. Uh, I, I'm going to try to share the love with the cans because we're looking to make some new relationships and kind of yeah. – so I think the cans will be a nice introduction on that front. Um, we, we, we really want to be, like, in the bubble from, like, Frederick, Baltimore, D.C., and just contained within that, that radius. So that's really what we're looking at right now. I don't want to overextend ourselves, but, like, yeah. Free State, um, they park in Frederick every night. So it's yeah. not too Their tough. Their warehouse to... is right, right around the corner. And they yeah. do the vast majority of our deliveries. Okay. So, so, yeah, Free State Craft Beer Delivery. What was that? What did you do? Cracked a knuckle? That was your knuckle? That was my knuckle. My goodness, you may want to go get that looked at. <laughs> <I know. laughs> no, no. The... Sounded like a fuse. I don't know. We've got so, one broken arm on our team right now. We don't need two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get, get a little, little less vigorous with your knuckle cracking over there. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I don't know. I'm kind of concerned where that came from. <laughs> Is everything still God, recording and running and... It's no smoke. All right. Um, so right now you're contract canning, right? Yeah. Or mobile yeah. canning. So yeah. it's in our facility, but Iron yeah, brings the canning line in. We can Do you up. have plans to eventually do your own canning line, or is that pretty far down the... Mm, I hesitate to say anything too far down the line because it's expensive to use yeah. a service like that. And as soon as we can get to the volumes where bringing it in-house makes sense, we're going to do it. It's not something that we don't feel like taking control of. Yeah. We're just going to follow the economics. Because right. you, you have plenty of space for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. We've got space, although right now we're using it for private events, which has been so cool to be able to have a space that we can rent out. Yeah. And, like, we're having um, a holiday artist fair this Saturday, and we've got space. We're going to have 18 artists come and set up, and we'll have a DJ and dance performances. So it's... It's nice to have that kind of space in terms yeah. of events and private events and renting space out. So I'll, I admit I'll be a little sad when we <laughs> start to lose that space. It's been fun to Although there's use. you can get ones that you kind of just move out into place, right? Yeah. So the mobile canning common. ones, we're going to lift up on the eight inches onto our um, cellar platform and can right there on the fermentation platform. We'll probably get one in-house that will do the same. Yeah, so you can... Have I've the best been, of both. I've already been warned, though, that once we have cans <laughs> and once we're storing all Oh, that's that true, because right? you also have all the, yeah. the actual cans themselves yeah. to store. Yeah, yeah. cans. And, yeah, because yeah, you can't just order a few <laughs> hundred of them. No. Yeah. So the – one of the, what are your thoughts on, like, uh, nostalgia, parody-type beer names and labels? Right before I came in the room, I pulled out my notes app and wrote down, are you afraid of the dank? So if that tells you anything. You're fine with it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's kind of weird how polarizing that is yeah. from like if you see like a craft beer fan standpoint. Mm -hmm. Where some people think like, it's like a mortal sin <laughs> when a brewery does that. And then some people like a lot of people find it hilarious or like that and like – Meme culture is short, 
short-lived. It's a short lifespan. We beat memes to death in like three days, right? <laughs> so the length of a, of, a, of a craft beer in an industry with no loyalty is almost the same. So like there is almost a perfect marriage. What hurts is that like it takes however long to get your can labels approved from TTB, and then you have to schedule out the canning line and procure your materials. And so by the time you've thought of a really clever pop culture reference – and it's then a, actually put it in cans. It's either been used a thousand times already or it's not cool anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I like picking nostalgia bombs, things that were cool in the 90s or the whatever. Yeah. Not things that are cool in Recycling the moment. Recycling things. Yeah, because then all of a sudden, like, you can have stuff that everyone can associate with and recognize. Um, but it's not like it goes out of fashion because it's already been, it's already 20 years old or yeah. 25 years old. Everyone likes to think back to when they were young. Yeah. Uh huh. Even when they're drinking alcohol, which yeah. hopefully they didn't <laughs> do when they were young. <laughs> I definitely didn't. No. No. I was afraid of beer. So one of the one of the topics that you suggested to talk about was Trillium. And I'm glad you did because I wouldn't have thought about bringing that up. Mm. Um, I think that like the, the labor part of it, which I think is probably what you more – we're pointing to yes i actually find that to be the least interesting part of it really yeah it's the because they've addressed that but they've taken this the stick your head in the sand and ignore approach that tends to be so detrimental for companies on the fortifying beer and the using subpar beer to um fill growlers Mm -hmm. which so the Anyone listening that doesn't know what we're talking about, Trillium recently, I guess, made their employees re-interview, kind of. Like, their oldest, most loyal employees re-interview for their jobs, gave them the same exact job with, like, $3 an hour pay cuts. Mm-hmm. And some, a couple, actually, I think, a, yeah, actually, yeah, because it was, I think that was one example. So, naturally, a bunch of them said, peace out. Right. Um, and one of them took to the internet and spilled all of Trillium's dirty laundry. <laughs> one being this practice uh, that they just went through, and then two that well, it was was it a bourbon? It was tequila? I think. Oh yeah, that's right. You're right. Yeah. A tequila beer that they make that everyone always wonders how do they get that taste in it? Well, according to an ex allegedly they just dump some tequila into the beer, which is wholly illegal yeah like no tequila barrels in the facility yeah just <laughs> fifths of tequila ah and then the next one that um as they're emptying the tanks the best quality beer goes into cans then they go to kegs and then the trub that's left at the bottom that goes in the growler fills for people I don't know anything about that, to be honest. That's the first I've heard of that. But I haven't. Yeah, I hadn't. Well, because yeah. almost all of the articles have focused on that labor part of it. Because, I mean, that's more humanizing. And, yeah. But, I, like, there's other two allegations. One, having huge legal inc- implications against the company. Yep. Um, and then just, like, the kind of shady product practices they've completely ignored, which almost never pans out well for a company it's hard to go on the record and say i didn't do that if you did do that yeah and so that's what it kind of yeah it it, it seems like they're in quite a predicament right now mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's easy for us being new and you know idealistic to say like 
hey, do the right thing and you never have to worry about it. Yeah. Because um, I don't know what decision-making process went into them making some bad decisions. Obviously, um, there was some influence that that was negative in there that they decided to listen to. There's always people who offer their opinions and you um, you respect who you respect. You listen to the people who influence you. Um, I just, when, when you realize that you've done something wrong, the right thing to do is admit it and fix it. Yeah, that's... You know? So that's really my opinion on that front. It's like, all right, you did some stuff you probably shouldn't have done. Um, come clean, you know, let, let, say sorry and let us forgive you. Like, that's how this works. And then from the, from the labor standpoint, one of the things that it brings to my mind is something that, like as a consumer that I find somewhat frustrating is like when, especially to their point of like they're paying their retail workers mm-hmm. the same as their bartenders where they they sh- as tipped employees where like as a consumer like I don't feel like if I'm just going up to someone and pay make like just making a transaction for a retail purchase mm-hmm. I'm not going to think I should tip that person that's a debate we've had in house honestly and Bailey well, you can take this because really cuz there's a t- distinct difference between growlers and crowlers and like cans that are prepackaged cans yeah. or merchandise or something like yeah. that like, yeah yeah um what we have found in our tap room and we would never i mean tipping on retail purchases cans that are pre-filled yeah crowler crowlers i always tip on because it's a decent amount of it's not super easy to fill a crowler you'd be surprised how much disparity there is on that opinion oh really they shouldn't tip a lot of people don't tip on crowler and growler fills um which i mean i would consider that more more work than filling a pint class for 100 percent. it's way more time consuming and so as a bartender who's sitting there and like you know someone's like orders a crowler but you've got a line behind them of people who are going to order pints and tip it's disincentivizing to put the work in to per to sanitize a crowler, rinse, sanitize, purge, fill, seam, rinse, label. Yeah. Like it's labor intensive to fill a crowler. We make sure that everybody on our team does all of those things when yeah. filling a growler or a crowler, but it's tough. I mean, because our bartenders, our, our bartenders will tell me like, you know, we notice that people aren't tipping on crowler and growler fills, but that's what we spend the most time on. Yeah. Um, and we're, you know, we don't require a tip. Like, that's never a mandatory thing. It's yeah. always just if somebody chooses to, that's awesome. If not, we understand. But, yeah. For I that think... reason, we pay really well. Well, that's yeah. good, though. So that's why, and that's what I, I mean. I'm one of the people that I wish that, like, r- prices would just be raised a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you pay <laughs> pay everyone well so that I don't have to do math after a transaction. Yeah, <laughs> we our philosophy was that we want our bartenders to make enough money just base without tips. That tips are just kind of extra, and also because I mean we're a small team, like we ask for help outside of just tipped hours. So we wanted people to make enough money just base without tips that it makes sense for them to be doing untipped work, and so that you know if there were no tips, it would still yeah. it would still be fine. We're not making anyone rich, but like for for bartender pay, I I don't even I honestly don't even know what the tipped minimum wage is in Maryland. I feel like it's three something or yeah. maybe three less because I think that's what the article said that they took all those employees down to maybe. Okay, we're way over that because like like she said, like if you go to a festival for the, although we we pool our festival employees with our taproom employees and they tip share, but like if if you're like hey 
Brandon, I need you to work on some social media stuff today. Like take some pictures, post some stuff on Facebook and whatnot. There's no tip for that. Yeah. And if you're making three something an hour and I've got to make up the difference, then, well, if I average it in with all the tips you made on the rest of your shift, you're still over that threshold. So you're essentially working at three something an hour. Um, we don't pull that trick on people because it's not right. That's good. Yeah. And I mean, that, and that's what most people are vilifying and rightfully so to extent the trillium for. <laughs> Especially when you point out like how successful they've been and yeah. like they've definitely got to be making some money, right? Yeah. So to that at this to at this point to decide we're going to suddenly give everyone a pay cut. Yeah, I think they. It's. I mean, as from the business owner side, I'm looking at a company that probably over leveraged themselves and said, "That's yeah, I mean, shoot, that's, we've got to find some money." Yeah. And they took it right out of humans, right out of the pocket of their employees, out of human resources, which like. Which rarely is that the best place to go? Yeah, it's usually like well, it's the it's the best place for a short term fix, yeah. but it no it doesn't usually pan out well for the long game. And we that should it. be like the last resort. Like if you've done everything else you can to save money, yeah, and stop buying uh, fifths of tequila. To <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allegedly. Yeah. There, that's all. Yeah, there's no proof. They haven't admitted anything. There's been no findings of fault. So I hold reservation on that front. But, but like I, I just it. The um, what struck me so much about that was the sticking the head your head in the sand about it and just hoping that those accusations will go away and I don't know what that means but it certainly appears to imply guilt yeah in which it's, case you which which everyone automatically just thinks yeah whether you're whether you're not you're taking the stance like that's so absurd I'm not even going to dignify those accusations that's not how most people no think about it they right. just think. You don't want to talk about it because when you're asked questions, you're going to have trouble answering them. I mean, yeah. it's possible the person who made that decision didn't know it was illegal. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, oh, yeah. I don't know the circumstances of, of that decision-making process, which is I, why I hold withhold judgment. But if they are guilty, that's why you just apologize. Let people forgive you. You know, yeah. like, they make great beer. No one's questioning yeah. that. Yeah, I'm sure even the like poor growler fill quality beer is still. Yeah, it's probably still very good. I've had it. Well, I went to my friend's (laughs) birthday party. We stayed in the uh, seaport and walked over to the um, the original Trillium location and filled growlers and uh, drank it like it was orange juice. It was amazing. Yeah, I haven't had much from them, but everything I have had was really good. Yeah, really good. So. The first time you were on, you talked about how you had one beer that you trademarked the name for. Mm. Have you count? But you didn't have a beer for it. You had right. a name, but do you have a beer for that name yet? Yes, we do have a we do have a beer for that name, and it's Week Away IPA. And we brewed it over. I don't remember exactly when we brew it. Brewed it. We're, we have like two sixels left okay. right now in the tap room. So that beer is going to be gone soon. But that is one that we've decided to make a series of its own. Okay. And so we'll have the base Week Away IPA, which is a tropical mix between a hazy and a, a West Coast style IPA. And we're going to fruit it in different ways and kind of make it like a Week Away series. Oh, that's cool. So, uh, yeah, think like Sculpin. Yeah. Yeah, there's like grapefruit Sculpin and all different kinds of Sculpin, and we'll have Week Away and then – few different types of week away because the base honestly like she said it's a hybrid between a west coast and a new england 
I love grapefruit sculpin. Oh, it's so, so it's good. It's in our fridge right now. Yeah. Habanero sculpin is just yeah. awful, though. No! Yes. What? That's horrible. It's, I haven't tried that one. Don't. Okay, it's, I won't. We're good. I, <laughs> I'll stick with grapefruit sculpin. I'm happy with that. I, I'm, I'm solidly against putting pepper in beer, though. <gasps> oh, see, we differ. Mm. We differ strongly on that. Yeah. <laughs> it, spiciness has no, no oh. business mingling with beer. Oh my gosh, yes, peppers and beer, especially a dark beer, dark beer like a stout with peppers. So good. See, I'm not a big stout drinker, so maybe I would like so um like barley and hops had Mexican pointy boots mm-hmm. where it had some chili pepper or red, some kind of pepper in it. And I did like that. So maybe if I drank more stouts and Mexican chocolate stout by Copper Kettle out in Denver. That turned so us on good. to chili beers. And Patty's um, chili beer um, at Wine Coop in Denver. Like, there are a few chili beers out in Denver that totally reverse course for me on chili beers. But they have the best green chilies out there. So, yeah. It's. See, my thing is, I can't even make it through a half of a habanero sculpin without feeling I'm going to have the worst heartburn in the world. Ah. Oh, no. There's just something with the, but I can eat any spicy food. The mm. spicy food doesn't bother me. It's just the, the combination of the spiciness and carbonation. I uh, I eat a lot of Taco Bell. So <laughs> like a lot of Taco Bell. I was looking through our bake statement. The you other said day. that was such the, shame in your voice. <laughs> the amount of charges on like, our credit like cards were, to Taco Bell. It was like you're in a confessional, <laughs> <laughs> professing your. I, you need to do three Hail Marys and two Our Fathers. <laughs> I think to- I've been making him feel bad about it because we did. Like on our drive home from Georgia over Thanksgiving, I was like, I have 15 hours in the car. I might as well check, you know, check our bank statements. And I was like, Taco Bell, there's like a charge every day. <laughs> no, it's doing? not every day. I, I eat Taco Bell probably twice a week, like on the reg. And uh, we're here talking about like, oh, the subtle nuances of this beer and that beer. And it's like, I'm trying to get you to respect my opinion as a, as a lover and brewer yeah. or assistant, occasional assistant brewer of beer. But like, I eat a lot of Taco Bell, you know? Like, I'm going to put that on the table. <laughs> my refined palate. <laughs> <laughs> I love Taco Bell. I don't know. I, that may, you know what? I, I should stop naming the episodes by who's on them and just like, and this would be episode 113. I love Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a perfect name for it, him. It sounds like a good idea until you have me on again, and that one would also be called I Love Taco yeah. Bell. And then it's like, okay, maybe not so good. I Love Taco Bell, take two. All right, well, any second now, Graham's going to start tapping his watch or yelling that he needs you to get out. He's condescendingly um, stretching his neck over here. So, <laughs> so I think she should give a quick rundown of – when like all the details for your can release and the important stuff while I pour some of this whiskey that you got to try the white oh. version of and this is the slightly aged version okay. of it. Very good. Go ahead, Bills. So our can release is December fifteenth. The cans are gonna be available at noon in the tap room and we're gonna have a holiday party in association with the can release. So we'll have, we're gonna, I think, have like a Polaroid photo booth and people can put their Polaroids up on the wall and we can use them as Christmas decorations or holiday decorations, I should say. We'll have live music, Brennan's gonna play and then we're gonna have another group play some live music and we're gonna have a holiday cookie share too. So people can bring their favorite holiday cookies and we can share them. 
So we, it'll be a fun day in the tap room so in addition the to December 15th. December 15th at noon. And when does um, the beer in my honor come out? Yeah. We'll talk about that. We'll, we'll come up with the details. I we'll can't exactly that. call a beer. I love Taco Bell. So, like, we still have <laughs> yeah. to work on our stories, but we're going to get there. Um, and someday um, I will have you guys on where either we ignore video so that I can just run everything on my own and just record audio and we can talk as long as we want or someday where Graham doesn't tell me right before we start <laughs> to record that we're done at a certain time. Okay. And I, I promise you at some point we will record an episode where Graham does not prematurely kick you out of the studio. Graham. <laughs> Cheers. I need to give myself a mic again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you two so much for coming on. Um, let's go pens. And go caps. Have a, have a go and bees. go thrashers. Thank you. Thank you everyone for watching and listening. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, I wanted to make sure to give a quick shout out to Mara at Roast House Pub too because their uh, tap list is amazing and she was talking about their food philosophy. A lot of it's local, organic, and um, they, they pair up their food uh, with their beer uh, in ways that, um, well, like you were talking about with Jailbreak and their beer dinner. So You should do a beer dinner there. I, okay, convinced. All right, cool. Mara, I'll... if you're listening, like it's time. Beer dinner. Mara is a true beer geek. Also, she's she is definitely full on into the craft beer world. Nice, I'm into it. Let's go. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, let's go.